Welcome to How to Catholic with Kevin and Lisa Cotter, a podcast dedicated to helping you practically live your Catholic faith with excellence. It's time for the Q&A episode. You've got Q's and we've got A's. Let's get ready to have some fun. We'll answer questions about dating, marriage, ministry, parenting, prayer, Kevin's favorite soccer podcast, advice for our teenage selves, and more. Let's get started. Dear podcast listeners, the kids are in bed. It is our 14th anniversary, 14th anniversary of our marriage. And we're so romantic that we're podcasting. That's right. We are doing our Q&A podcast because we just wanted to spend this anniversary with you. So here we are. It's Q&A time. I love Q&A podcasts because you don't know what to expect. You don't know the topics. You don't know where the answers are going to go. And that goes for all of us. We know the questions. But it's just fun to figure out. I just love the spontaneity of a Q&A podcast for everyone involved. It's a lot of fun, yes. And thank you to all of you who sent in questions. They mm-hmm. were all via Instagram. Yep. Which is awesome. Which tells you what the superior social media platform is. I'll tell you what, I think the gram's taken over. I think it is. For sure. So if you're not on Instagram yet, we're letting you know. Now's the time. Yep. Forget Facebook. Correct. I hate Facebook. Yep. Take that, Mark. <laughs> you know Mark hate. owns Instagram, too? <laughs> oh, that's right. Zuckerberg, that is. Okay. Well, that's not gonna, we're not going to let that be our first question, because we could go on and on about social media. So, problems. the first question, right, Lisa, and just on this anniversary theme, what is your favorite memory of each other is a question we got. So, Lisa, what is your favorite memory of me? Your favorite memory. Uh, this is more... Okay, so, of course, there's a lot, right? Like... Getting married. That's a favorite memory. (laughs) The birth of our children. But I'm trying to draw back to, like, a memory where I, like, remember being very proud of you. Hmm. And it was when we were in college. It was before, I think we were engaged. We had to have been engaged. And the memory is your Discovery Day project presentation. So we went to Benedictine. I don't even know if they do this anymore, but they used to have this thing called Discovery Day. In fact, that was their whole platform. They were like, we're America's Discovery College. And now they were like, we're a Catholic college. (laughs) We're awesome. That's all you need to know. Yeah, which is what they, anyways, they were trying to differentiate. So you could do these projects your um, second semester where you worked with a professor kind of like an independent study on something that you would do a deep dive into. So Kevin did one on... Uh, Elijah and Elisha and comparing that to Jesus and he did like all this scriptural research and even went to like a Marian library because you could get grants for Discovery Day yes. so I went all the way to Dayton Ohio with Dr. Sri and Dr. Andrew Swafford which at the time was my was roommate just Andy yeah <laughs> yeah um and I just remember like being like he's so smart and 
he's going to do such amazing things for the church and like just being so proud of your Discovery Day project and going and watching. And like our president came, President Minis came and watched your Discovery Day project. Oh, I forgot that. And there are a lot of different ones you could have gone to. So I just, I was like, my fiance is so brilliant <laughs> and so amazing. Lisa's twirling her hair right now as she's saying this. Yeah, because that was me. So that was, that's like one of my favorite memories. I have three. Very Whoa. quick. I know. That wasn't, it's like a trump card. That, that was, yeah, that's unfair. Your answer is part of the spontaneity because I didn't know what that answer was going to be. So the three from mine really quickly is one, when we ran a marathon together. So that was very mm-hmm. iconic. Two, I have this really great memory of you holding a child. We were hanging out. This is before we were dating. I was like, wow, she's going to be a really great mother. That was Bria Roper's little brother. That's right. He's probably like 18 now. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and the third one, is just you speaking on stage at like a seek, like a conference, because it's just you're in your element. So those are like three iconic memories for me of you. Very good. I did think about that. I was thinking of, yeah, like SLS when you did your um uh what do you call it? The big when you give a big concurrent. <laughs> it was a concurrent session. A concurrent keynote though. Yeah. 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 That's always those are always fun. Those are super fun. Good All right. opportunities. Good answers. Good answers. All right, number two. Why don't you take number two? Great. It's what advice do you have for young adults who are, try- who are trying to find and build authentic friendships rooted in faith when there aren't a whole bunch of people your age around you or your parish? So I would recommend two things, which is one, be patient, and two, be intentional. So I think a lot of times, with, so I'll start with patience. I think friendships happen um, in their own time. And I don't think you can predict friendships. I don't think you can always create friendships. I don't think you can just make them happen. They happen uh, really like through the course of events that often feel random or like how things happen together. So I think patience is really key and to not try to like just produce them to produce them. Sometimes we're like, I just want friends. So like I'm going to make them. At the same time, the second thing I would say, be intentional. So I think if you want great friendships, a lot of times you can create them wherever you're at and whatever situation you're in. So if you just are intentional with who you're picking to be your friends, spending time with those people and really going after those friendships, I think that's really important. Uh, I actually had a situation today where someone said like, I want to intentionally be your friend. And that was very encouraging because it's like, great, we can spend time together. Like we're going to run after this together. And I think um, doing that and even being like forthright with people uh, can be great when it when it makes sense. And sometimes they'll respond and sometimes they won't. But I think people do really rally around people who are intentional and want to go deeper and want that challenge. And I think you'll find out really quickly if that person wants to do that or not. And then you can continue to discern that as you go forward. But yeah, be, being patient, I think, is key. Then intentional when the moment's right of like, I want to dive into life with this person. Like, do it. Go for it. Yeah, I would add to that too, that sometimes you have to, be comfortable with being uncomfortable in the process of trying to build community Mm -hmm. because it can feel really awkward um, to like start friendships when it's not easy and obvious. Like you're not in a college dorm room (laughs) where there's just people around. Um, But being able to like take those risks and so asking like, gosh, is there anything that is near me? Is there any kind of thing that's already being facilitated? Is there, a theology on tap? Is there uh, young Catholic professionals? Is there just like a young adult community, even just calling your parish and asking, 
hey, maybe our parish doesn't have something, but do you know if any neighboring parishes are calling your diocese office? And as awkward as it is, like you kind of just like put yourself out there. It's almost like dating. Like you, there's, yeah. there's like a risk involved. You have to put yourself out there um, and just be praying for God to like raise up those people and bring those people into your life. And also know maybe you might have to travel a bit to, to do that. Maybe you have to go to the parish next door to find community. Um, maybe you have to um, seek out, um, you know, just, I don't know, just getting creative and, and knowing that, yeah, it's going to be a little awkward, awkward for a while. And I would also say friendships are a lot of times created, and this is maybe a guy thing, but like doing something or like having an end goal or a mission together. So I think when you just try to go after friendship for friendship's sake, sometimes that can be difficult because you're not journeying somewhere together. But I think that's where um, long-lasting friendships are rooted in in a higher good, like going going after things, having a mission, trying to create something, trying to build community, and, and really founding your friendship there. That's the adventure I think that friendships often created through. Great. Okay, so we had a lot of community questions. So that was kind of our summary community question. Next, we also had a lot of dating type questions, dating relationship questions. So I'm going to answer this one. What are your best tips for working on communication in dating relationships? And this might sound silly, but I think that one great way to help do that is to read books on communication. I can't tell you how many times Kevin and I have read not only dating and relationship books, especially the focus on communication, but also business books and taken those principles and applied them to our our marriage Mm -hmm. or our dating relationship at the time. Um, You know, it's not something that comes very natural, especially in our digital age. And it's not that technology is evil. Like we have a podcast. We, We are on social media. But we've lost the art of authentic communication because we don't have to use that muscle. Like it makes it too easy for us when we can just communicate quickly through a text message. Like there's, there's not as much effort. So I would say one tip would be to check out some, some communication books off the top of my head, communication wise. I'm thinking even things like the basics, like five love languages helps you like, how do you communicate love to each other? Um, Kev, can you think of any like, basic communication books i don't know where they're at in their relationship it's like if you're dating right like things like crucial conversations like that's a business book but yeah great book for helping with communication yeah i like crucial conversations i also like myers-briggs because i think a part of communication is who you are and how you express yourself and so knowing uh, myers-briggs helps you out with like your personality type and knowing how you react in certain situations how you act to conflict can really help understand all right like this person, when they hit conflict, a lot of times won't share. How do I draw that out of them? I need to ask questions. This person, they'll actually share maybe very forcefully and bluntly. Okay, that's how they, they deal with conflict. That's just, that's a part of their makeup. Great. Now I can understand uh, their communication style a little bit better. And I think that's that's huge. Yes. And then kind of the second thing I would say to help combat with the technology thing is force yourself to have real conversations face-to-face and in person if at all possible, if not, at least over the phone, but not via text. I think it's all too easy to put emotion into texting, and that just breaks down communication because you can't see facial expressions. You can't tell, like, body language, any of that. It's all cut off, and it's not in real time. You can act like you didn't see that message and not respond for a while or wait until you feel like you want to respond, and that can kind of be dangerous. You actually need to 
sit down and talk things through sometimes and make yourselves have those conversations. So I, a little like quick quip is texting is for information, not emotion. Mm-hmm. So sure. Texting is great if you need to talk about what time you're going to meet somewhere, but not for like, listen, I'm mad at you. <laughs> like that should never come through on a text. Yep. That should always be done verbally, preferably face to face, if at all possible. That's great. Great. Why don't you take the next one? Number four is how can I best encourage slash support my husband in his faith? That's a really great question. I, I got, a, I mean, there's always different husbands at different levels, but I got the, there's like the support my husband in his faith. That's one answer. The encourage sounds like my husband needs more faith. I need to encourage him to have it. So I think, um, I don't know. I think it's really great to start with where your husband is at and what his goals are. My assumption is he has some type of faith. Uh, he has some type of relationship with our Lord and and with his church. And the question is, I think, for, for you is to ask him, hey, wh- where do you want to grow in your faith and how can I help you? Because I think a lot of times with spouses, we want our spouse to grow in a certain way or we have a desire for them. Um, but I think that's often counterproductive when we try to force them to be like us or force them to do what we think is best for them. But instead just say, hey, I know you want to grow in holiness um, and it's my job to get you to heaven and your job is to grow in holiness and getting me to heaven and grow in holiness. So how do you want to do that? Because I'm here to to help you and um, I just want to support you in what, whatever that means. And that could be, hey, like we go on a retreat once a year and that's a part of who we are as a spouse or we need community. Like how do I help you find great guy friends? Like I need to give you the time and space to do that. But I really... Those are all great, you know, our prayer each day. Like, those are all great answers, but I just start with that person and what, what their own goals are and helping them reach that. And I think usually through what they want, they'll discover through good friends, like, oh, yeah, I need to have a better prayer life. Or they'll go to a retreat and realize, actually, I need to change these other things about my life. So find the thing that they want to do, and I think uh, often they'll find the things they need to do. All right, next, I have two fun questions quickly. Number one, has Isaac learned to crawl yet? And the answer is yes. And that's fun because that question came from our niece slash goddaughter who lives across the street and already knows the answer, but she wanted to contribute. So yes, Allison, as you know, Isaac has learned to crawl, which is fun and very exciting. And we had to put up baby gates and he's pulling up on everything. And it's just really fun stage of baby life. And then number two, Carmen Darwin wants to know who were the best RAs ever and the answer, of course, is the RAs in McDonald Hall in 2008 and 2009. Carmen was one of those RAs. So because you were a hall director, that's right. They weren't just hall. They weren't just RAs in that hall. You were their hall director as RAs. And Carmen was one of my RAs. Yes. That's These great. are important questions. Things that we need to make sure we clarify here. So there you go, Carmen and Allison. Your questions got answered. Okay. Next question: Advice you would give to your teenage self? Oh wow. Yes, I'm gonna go first. So advice, there's a lot of advice that I would give to myself, (laughs) my teenage self. But the first thing that came to my mind, and without like overthinking it, this is what I'm going to share. Be nicer. (laughs) Hmm. Because I had, you know, I look back at my high school self and I'm like, I have so many people I wish I could apologize to and talk to. Mm. And I know we live in a world that says like, no regrets, like, live, you know, whatever, just you do you, who cares? But like, I care, like I do care. I know I hurt people in high school and 
I said things or I gossiped or I did stuff behind girls' backs and like I wish that I was more mature. So I I can't beat myself up about it because that was a long time ago and that was an immature time in my life and I wish that I had better mentors around who could have walked me through virtue and like why it's so important to be like better than I was. <laughs> but I didn't I I I mean, I, I definitely, I own, you know, I own it. But at the same time, I'm like, man, I wish I had known. I wish I had known, like, that's not worth it. Like, don't, don't be that girl. And too often I was that girl. Yeah. There you go. I had a hard time with this question. Hmm. Uh, high school Kevin was a pretty good Kevin. He was. Your nickname was Jesus. <laughs> How do you compete with that, folks? I'm telling you. Well, it's just I married like, Jesus, when, but not Jesus. I feel like when you're younger, too, like, and I'm I'm a pretty idealistic person, too, so, like, I had really high ideals and, like, dreams and, like, really tried to go after those. And, like, I wasn't perfect as a high schooler. Like, I don't want to give the wrong impression, but, like, I had a lot of great things going for me. I think I wish I knew my Catholic faith deeper. But, like, for where I was at and where... I felt like I tried well there. It just didn't come around more until college where I got deeper into the Catholic faith. But, um, yeah, it sounds like super cocky, but I just don't have, like, nothing stands up of, like, you really should have done this. Like, I don't have a lot of high school regrets, fortunately. Okay. You lived up to your nickname. Gosh, I don't. <laughs> I just, nothing came to Maybe mind. I it's just the honest, just that. It's just the honest <laughs> truth. Okay. Okay. Well. Well, let's just move on to question seven. Maybe I'll think of something later and not feel so prideful. There you go. All right. So question number seven is a few different questions about prayer. So, um, you know, what what happens, you know, how do you make sure your prayer life doesn't become routine? What happens when you hit a dry spell? What happens when you just don't feel close to God? I think uh, I'm by no means a spiritual master. Um, I'll leave that to our French dojo, uh, spiritual master Jacques Philippe. But for me personally... I'd say what I've found in these different moments where I don't feel close to God or I have a dry spell um, or it doesn't just become a routine, I think the prayer that I often go back to um, and I like to really associate in my life is just giving my entire self over to the Lord. And so I'll just uh, really recognize who he is, like he's the God of the universe. He's my savior. He redeemed my life. Uh, he, you know, he died on the cross for me. He rose from the dead. He wants to give his Holy Spirit to me. In return, I just say, Lord, you are actually Lord of this universe. I give my whole self to you. And one, I think that's just a great prayer to always do. But typically, it will reveal something about my life that doesn't match that thought or desire. Something in my life will stand out, and I'll say, Kevin, actually, you're not giving this over to the Lord. And then creates a great conversation with God to always go back to, of like, what am I holding back right now? What am I not giving over to you? And that usually gets me out of a dryness or out of a routine um, or not feeling close to God is because there's probably something in the way. There's probably a lack of um, communication or um, I'm hiding something for our Lord or I'm just trying to get through it. And usually that conversation will reveal something to it. So that's one way, reading the Gospels and meditating on those. Uh, I typically, um, again, no spiritual master here, but a lot of times I'll switch just my prayer routine. Like, 
I'm going to start journaling. I started journaling a lot lately, and that like jump-started my prayer routine again. So um, a lot of different things you can do, but I, I usually return to how do I give my entire life over to Jesus, and that, that sparks something to get me out of whatever rut I'm in. Yeah, we got this question in a lot of forms. Um, and the first one that you read, uh, I just want to point out here, it says, how can you make sure your prayer life doesn't become just a routine? And I think just take comfort in the fact that you can't. Like, you can't, mm-hmm. like, bulletproof your prayer life. In fact, those periods of dryness are a sign of spiritual growth because when it seems like God is pushing us away, what he's actually doing is he's trying to mm-hmm. draw us closer. Mm-hmm. And he knows that um, love is a choice. And so it's his way almost of saying, listen, this can't be too easy. Because, like, love between Kevin and I, like, it's a choice. Like, there's love in the ordinary. There's love in the mundane. There's love in the, in the, in the hard. And it's going to be the same way with our relationship with Jesus. Like, it's not always going to be Christmas. Like, sometimes it's just going to be ordinary. But that's where we prove our love. Mm-hmm. Like, even though it's not, you know, this, like, radical prayer time every time, like, do you still show up? Like, that's fidelity. And, yeah. Like, that is one way that God pushes us deeper. Um, and just always remembering so many of the greatest spiritual masters, like Mother Teresa had, like, a 30-year dry spell or something crazy. I mean, it was just, like, years upon years upon years where in prayer, she she didn't feel the presence of God, but she knew it wasn't about the emotion. Yeah. She knew it was about the fidelity. And even to speak, I mean, it's, as it's our anniversary, there's moments in our relationship where it's not like, oh, you know what? Like, every day is just rainbows and butterflies. Like, we have routines where it's like, hey, how'd your day go? And like, you just, you know, and it's a great conversation, but, um, you know, but it's also that faithfulness of like, I'm here for you. Like, it might not be like, the most romantic day in the world, we're, we're there. We're faithful to it, you know? And that's what built a really solid foundation. It kind of reminds me of years ago, Kevin, you gave, like, the opening talk for new staff training for Focus. Mm. It was, like... It's one of my favorite talks. Yeah, so it was, like, all these new missionaries and then all the returning missionaries who are coming back, some of them feeling a little battered and bruised from a hard year. Um, it's beautiful being a missionary, but it's it's not without its challenges. And so new staff training, which I don't think they call it that anymore. Um, you know, all the missionaries are back together again and like opening up our time together. Kevin was given the great honor of opening up new staff training. And I remember you gave this great talk about the saints and you were like, no saint's story goes, they were born, they had a perfect life and then they died. And that's why they're a saint. Like mm. that's nobody, you know, it's like, no, they got their fingers cut off or <laughs> they were persecuted or they were missionaries in hard circumstances or they had a illness that they suffered through. I mean, it, there's always some adversity. <laughs> They're a cloistered monk and then the people came to them, kidnapped them and made them bishop. It's like, yep, nope, you're not going to have an easy life, you know? Yeah, yeah. So like, that's the hard truth of it is that that's what makes us holy is mm-hmm. the hard stuff. Yeah. And it does purify us. I think that's the greatest thing. And I think that's a lot of times why I return to that prayer of like, Lord, my whole life is yours. Because usually there's that purifying of like in, in that moment, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the time purifies you as well. All right. Question number eight. Number eight, another dating question. 
how do you not overwhelm somebody with your past, but also not hide it so they know what they're getting into? And this, I think, is is an important question. I think it's important to recognize this question of, okay, so if you're in a relationship with somebody and things are progressing along, at some point they do, if you do have some past in your life, some kind of baggage that you're bringing into it, they need to know about it. But how much do you tell and what does that look like without overwhelming someone, right? So typically the advice that I give on this is that you need to give generalities but not details. So you Mm -hmm. don't need to go into like the nitty-gritty details of, well, I did this or this happened or let me give you the play-by-play of this whatever, but more so just generalities of letting them know, listen, I I have a past and I've done things that I – you know, um, I'm working through or I've had things that have been done to me that affect me to this day. But I don't you don't want to be painting like a movie picture for them because that's not an image that they need. Yep. Um, and honestly, those things aren't things that you owe them. That's for the confessional. Like that's for you and Jesus and and the priest is in persona Christe and the confessional and and maybe a counselor if there are certain things that you really just cannot move past on your own. But I don't think that you owe them a detailed account of everything. Um, and that's kind of how you don't overwhelm the person um, is by sticking with the generalities as opposed to the details. Because, yeah, they, they do need to know certain things, especially if there's you know continual ramifications from whatever from your past that that you're still working through or that are always going to be a part of you for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Um, but that would be m- my greatest piece of advice on that. Yeah, and so it's the severity of it too. I feel like, I don't know, if you know it like deeply affects you, it seems like it's more pertinent. But some of the things that don't, you know, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Just some discernment there. That's a great question. Yeah, take it to prayer for sure. Absolutely. All right, question number nine. What are your biggest anxiety as parents? We saw this question tonight at dinner as a family, and we asked our children, children, what do you think our greatest anxieties are as parents? And then we played Family Feud, and I said, there's five answers on the board. Start trying to guess them. And they did a pretty good job. Mm-hmm. After they got past the ridiculous ones. Yeah, they said ridiculous things, which they're good at. They said... Um, trying to think one of the answers was money that made my top five but not lisa's i don't worry about money yep one of them was uh they didn't get this one they got out would be vocation like what is their vocation um so like them finding a good vocation yeah yeah i do worry especially the girls because there just are not enough good men out there Mm. and so i i do i do pray for that and um unfortunately worry a little bit about like are there gonna be good guys like yeah. That are worthy to marry or are they gonna have to like make a sacrifice and remain single because it's better not to marry than to marry somebody who's totally lame. Yeah. The first answer was the five top reasons were everybody's death in the family besides mine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I said, Okay, you, anxiety, everybody dies. You dying somebody dying in our family, yeah, that makes top five. Um but then we got to, you know, of course, like your eternal destiny, like that's our number one concern. So, yeah, that's that's it. That was a good, yeah. Yeah. So, anxiety is in in sense of like we want to make sure they get to heaven. Yeah. Like that is our number one goal and our number one thing is like 
we just pray that God's path for them includes him mm-hmm. at all times. Absolutely. <laughs> None of that prodigal stuff. That's scary. <laughs> Good. Question number 10. This is a quick one. I have a question for your podcast. It's for my hubby, which I love that name for a husband. That's a quote right there. What is a soccer podcast that Kevin listens to? Great question. It's the TSFP podcast, which stands for the Spanish Football Podcast. Yeah, they would have never found that. And this podcast is done by two guys from England who live in Spain and cover Spanish soccer, particularly La Liga, but also the Segunda, which is the lower league of Spanish football. And they like to talk about Spanish soccer. My favorite player is Messi. I think he's the greatest soccer player of all time. Messi plays in La Liga, which is that Spanish football league. And so I just love to hear them talk about Barcelona. But even through that, there are 20 teams in La Liga. So I love to hear them talk about all 20 teams. Over the last four years, I've gotten to know, pretty last year, I've gotten to know a lot more about La Liga. And I just find it fascinating. I love Spain. I love Messi. But it's great to know all the different cultural things with Spanish soccer. So there's your answer. TSFP. Okay, time for the last question. This is a hard one. In fact, right now I'm even like, maybe I'll just skip this. <laughs> You're like, and we're done. Yeah, that was a great show. Um, I'll, I'll try to answer this as best I can. So the question is from a woman. She says, so I'm in full-time ministry with five kids in tow. How do you keep a balance with both? Uh, that's such a great question. And I do not have the foolproof golden answer for this one. And it's not something that I always strike the best. Um, I do my best. I try really hard. I take a lot of it to my spiritual director. So I guess I could give some advice that she's given me with this. When I stress out about my schedule or my calendar, like, Sister Susan, I don't know, like, am I doing too much? Am I not doing enough? She's always like, Lisa, just, just do what you think is best and make the mistake. Like, it's okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, if you overbook, just learn from it. Um, And I think that's like some of the best advice she's given me because it gives me so much freedom because I think we're always afraid of failing or always afraid of making a mistake. And she's like, just make the mistake. Like, don't make it over and over and over again. But if you overbook and you know it's too much, well, then now you know. And so next time, do it differently. Make sure you that, you know, you don't overbook again the next time. So, um... Yeah, I think that is definitely one piece. Um, second thing is the word balance. That's such a hard one because it's not like it's not like there's a scale and it's like works on one side, families on the other, and we need to make sure that they're 50-50. And I'm assuming the woman who asked this question probably understands that too. Um, but just remember that you know there's going to be seasons where more is going to be needed from you from your family, and that's when you need to be able to step back a bit. And sometimes there's going to be you know really heavy times at work. Um, where it's just like it's a season you've got a big event or you have a big deadline or whatever it is and not to be afraid to call on your spouse for help or your community for help during those times if you know like I'm convicted that I am called to this ministry to not like put it all on yourself and feel like well I have to do this all by myself but to be willing to help those uh, to be willing to to take help Um, I would say too like because I do do full-time ministry like, I'm not afraid to get help. Um, I, I shouldn't say I don't I do not do full-time ministry. It's, it's different. It's very different how I do it. Um, 
there's seasons where I'm full time. <laughs> there's seasons where I'm like zero time mm-hmm. because of the nature of what I do. Um, but I am not afraid to have help. So I think to myself, what are things that other people can do that I I can I can do, but I don't have to do. Mm-hmm. So we have house cleaners. Um, it's a good and holy thing, you know, to maintain your own home. But believe me, there's plenty of cleaning. Um, <laughs> and the house, but like we have house cleaners, and I utilize services like those people who shop for you at the grocery store and you pick up at the curb. I, I make sure I utilize those things because the time has to come from somewhere. And so the way I see it is, well, I can do my ministry work and provide a job for somebody else to do things that like aren't things that only I can do, but anybody can do. And there's kind of like that, that circle then. So, um, yeah, just not to be afraid to get help and to ask for help. Um, but to be sure that you're being honest with yourself about keeping first things first and your number one priority being your family, being your kids, being your marriage, and making sure that that doesn't ever go to the wayside. Because um, that's that that is so easy to get caught up in your work to the point where then you forget like what's most important. Um, so just never never lose sight of that and constantly be praying through and evaluating. Lord, what are you calling me to in this season right now? And holding on loosely to the things that are in the periphery, the things that are outside the home, um, like ministry. Um, you know, of course, there's. I always have to say this, there's always circumstances where it's just not an option. Like, you have to work. Yep. And I totally understand that. Um, but just always doing what you can to be able to put first things first, um, I think, is is the first step. So. That was a really good answer. I felt like that could be a whole podcast episode. It could be. Yes, it could be. We could maybe do that someday. I think, I think so. I think that'd be good. Well, that was our show for today. Thanks so much for listening in to our Q&A episode. If you want to connect with us, our email is hello at madetomagnify.com, or you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Kevin R. Cotter and Lisa Ann Cotter. That's Ann with no E. As always, if you enjoyed this show, please give it a rating on iTunes, add it to your podcast subscriptions, and tell a friend. This helps us get the word out about how-to Catholic. Until next week, be saints. It's worth it.